So Ian Taylor is once again making a plea to the government. As an experienced businessman, he says the economy simply cannot afford to keep replaying the same level four restrictions that played out over the past couple of weeks, nor can businesses expect to operate successfully on the international playing fields with an MIQ system that simply has no rules they can play by. He'd like to see some experts on the team come off the bench and get us re-engaged with the world. Sir Ian Taylor, CEO of Animation Research, 2019 New Zealand Innovator of the Year and 2020 Deloitte Top 200 Visionary Leader, joins me now. Morena, Sir Ian. Morena, Kenny. Nice to hear you. Nice to hear you too. Now, was it frustration that was the catalyst for penning the letter? Frustration at seeing the same old, same old being trotted out? Yeah, well, you know, well, to put it in context, um, you know, I, I have to, you know, we have done very well um, over the past year and a half. Um, but the thing that really brought this to the fore is that as the level fours rolled out again, mm-hmm. you, you saw straight away that a year and a half on, they were exactly the same as they were a year and a half ago. Yeah. And we have had ages to really think about it. But but, but it was the personal experience, so I'll, I'll share two with you, yeah. that, that that I think really nailed it home for me, that we have to look differently. And and it's, a, it's about our business, but that's all I can talk about. Yeah. But so we have just noticed that, that before this lockdown arrived, we had been contacted by one of our major overseas clients that said... Um, you know, the, we've got a five-year contract with you. It's worth yeah. a lot of money. Um, but our lawyers now want to introduce a two-week stand-down clause that if you can't deliver the graphics for two weeks in a row, we have the right to cancel that contract and bring someone else in. Yeah. Now, the idea, the thing was, we don't want to do that. And the, the, the people we work with say, we're fighting that with you as well. We don't want to do it, but we understand where the lawyers are coming from. They've all gone back to business as usual. They are now using a com- company. We're the only one from outside their area that they're using. And we're still under these constraints. And our graphics, not delivering our graphics, have financial ramifications for them if we don't. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was, that's one we're discussing. And then three weeks ago, with six hours notice, while we were on air, we got six weeks, six hours notice that we had to go into lockdown. So we kind of did a quick run around and th- th- three of our people flat together. So they said, we flat together mm-hmm. so we can carry on. We'll drive down at seven o'clock each night. The building will be the only ones in the building. We will deliver it and drive home at 9.30 in the morning back to our flat. So we put this proposal up within the six hours and Mm. we're told you are not an essential business, so no one can leave their home to go to your office. You have to be an essential business. So we need to address what an essential business is because if that two-week contract was in place, that that condition, Mm. we would have had to lay people off because we would have lost a five-year contract. What our team did was, without telling anybody, went, so if you can't leave your place of accommodation to go to work, we'll just shift our beds into work. So for two, two and a half weeks, yeah. they slept here to solve that rule. Now, I, you know, we got to have, we've got to have rules in place, but they've, they've also got to be practical. And this is the sort of stuff I want government to be listening to. There are lots of businesses who can get around this, you know, who can provide systems. But the biggest, the latest one to hit us is that we've been offered um, to bid for the Pakistan cricket for multi-year contract for all of Pakistan, Sri Lanka, all of that up there. 
Um, but we've had to decline even entering it because we can't guarantee that if we sent our people out this year, we would have MIQ beds to get them back yeah. so we could go to Australia to do the ashes. So I think I, I understand, you know, the big picture around the country, but I think we're only one example. Oh, yes. If we were listened to, we are only one example. I have this really simple, simple approach to COVID because I'm not an expert. The only way you can catch COVID is if you put yourself in a position to catch it. That's it. It's got to, you've got to breathe it in. So for a year and a half, we've had systems running in here where that can't happen. We've designed a building with three different door entries. We've got three work zones, two kitchens, so that if we get caught, we know we can work in this building in bubbles. And I know other companies could do that if they hadn't thought of it. We just want to sit at a table and say, we've got some options and not listening could destroy businesses like ours. The, you must have heard too that industry after industry, business after business has come up with innovative, practical solutions for being able to work while at the same time keeping their workers safe and themselves safe, and they are not listened to. Yeah, that, that, um, I mean, I, again, you know, there's, there's I, I think the thing that's been missed here, the, the job, you know, the, the, the government has taken, has got this sort of overall, how do we keep the whole country safe? But actually, way before COVID hit, um, even the health and safety laws meant that as companies, we have systems in place to keep our staff safe. COVID was just another challenge. And so many companies have stepped up and went, mm. actually, we can put systems in place to make sure our staff don't catch it. You know, for a year and a half, we have every Monday morning meeting starts with our COVID update. And we do it because we've got four people overseas who've been living in COVID-ravaged countries for one and a half years. They've never caught COVID, and they're on our calls as well. So they are constant reminders of why you need to be cautious. I, I think, too, the, the struggle is that, A, the government has written the narrative so that if you even talk about the economy, you're nothing more than a capitalist granny killer. And B, that so many of the rules are dissonant. Like all of a sudden we're allowed to have some essential manufacturing open up in Auckland in week three of the fifth lockdown. Now, if it's safe now, why wasn't it safe before? Yeah, I, th I think that's my, that's my point. We had, uh, I think everyone just got too confident. We, we've, we've had, after the first lockdown and as we came out, we should have been planning for oh, it to happen yes. again. We always knew. But, you know, Akiri, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not... What I would like to say is that I, I, I've, I step back from any debate that starts this government, because my, my thing at the moment is, hey, Wakekano, we're all in this together. And I, what, I, what I do worry about sometimes, and I'm as frustrated as you, mm. but what I do worry about is that um, and what I tried to convey in the, the letter I, and the one that I'm following up is, you know, we've, we have made some mistakes, so let's just accept them, please. Let's acknowledge them, because this is still a bloody great country to be in. It's the one I'd rather be in than anywhere else. Mm. But let's accept that and know the rules have changed. Now go to the bench, because we have got some really clever people, but if we don't go to the bench, 
this dike is going to break. And a lot of us at the cliff, cliff face, you know, can see that. And I, and I get your point about I'm just so concerned that people sort of roll businesses off into this, mm. into this area. Mm. So, so many businesses. I'll give you our example. Um, and again, this is not to praise, and I know that other businesses did this. When, on March 20th, when COVID first struck, we lost all of our contracts in the world within 48 hours, all of them. I was overseas. We flew our team back. We actually all went into isolation then before isolation was even thought of. Yeah. We, we took three Airbnbs. I got put one, one on my own because I was 70. So yeah. we were taking it seriously straight away. But the first thing we did was to bring our staff together and say nobody is going to lose their jobs. We don't know how we're going to get through this. Nobody's going to lose our jobs. We made money last year. We've got enough to get us through to the end of the year. So no one leaves, loses their job. And that's really important. And then our CEO, Cheryl, set the tone for everyone. She voluntarily took a 50% pay cut, and then all the staff did exactly the same around who could afford it so that no one below $65,000 had to have a cut. So you cannot, I know other businesses did this, so you cannot accuse businesses of being in a just-for-profit. Right now, we are all fighting as hard as we can to make sure none of our people lose their jobs. And so many people are in that in that same position. It just who's on the who's on your bench? Have you got a team in mind that could help the government understand <laughs> that you can operate safely, that the community will not be at risk, your workers won't be at risk? Yeah. So actually, what I what what I'm hoping to do. Yeah, there are there are a, a lot of people. What what I'm hoping to do is that we might be able to start pulling together examples like ours yeah. that show that show that. And I know they're out there. In there's hundreds, they have. Of yeah, them. they've got I business plans up the yin yang that they are yeah. trying to get in front of government ministers. Yeah. So what what I'm hoping is that you know we can have a really rational rational discussions. And, I, you know, maybe I'm just the eternal optimist, but, um, you know, in my in the recent fight I had about whether or not what somebody said was racism, and, I, you know, I don't use the word racism. I just believe that we need to tell our stories better. And if we tell our stories better, you will find people who will listen. And, and I'm already getting responses all through the night and this morning from people who are listening um, and people who are stepping up saying, yeah, we can we can help with this. We can help with that. I just think we need to get the first message across that a we've done really well, but we've used a lot of time that we could have used better. Let's not waste any more of it. Can I just finish by asking you if we stick to the lockdown and the elimination strategy, what is your prognosis for this country? If we don't, if if we end up in a similar lockdown to the one we had. This, this time. Again, it's easy just to talk from, if I use my business, you know that you can multiply that by a thousand. Yep. So if we had that and they stepped up and like a lot of people said, you, you can't go and even live in, your, live in your workplace. If we had two weeks of another lockdown, which will happen. We, you know, that's the strategy my, my we keep following. Yeah. My question is that, that actually what, what gives us the confidence that the minute Auckland comes out of level four, that something doesn't turn up in the South Island in about five weeks' time, where the response, if the response is lockdown four again, it will probably be the end of so many businesses. So we don't have time to even be doing um, 
two months, three months trials. Let's find the companies, let's redefine what an essential business is. So instead of the government telling us that an essential business is one that sells food or people in hospitals or whatever, let's come from the perspective that every business is essential to the people who work in it. Let's start there and then we come back and go, now, what are the parameters under these conditions that your essential business can operate? Not every business is out except for these mm. handful. And that, that, that's the discussion we would like to have. We should be accredited. You should have proved your track record. You know, as, as a track record, trust, mistrust, I think that any, any um, company that can't demonstrate that it used the wage subsidy well and in all honesty, you don't get across the line either. Mm. If you profited from the wage subsidy, you don't get accredited. Fair enough. Lovely to talk as always. Hopefully you've got the mana to get the ear of the Prime Minister because I've heard from plenty of business people who and industry leaders who have been trying and trying to no avail.